0: Welcome back again to Punks on the Pitch, a podcast where alternative music meets the beautiful game. Um, Got, as always, a wonderful guest joining me to discuss all things that's been going on in the past week. But just a a quick one we are leading up to the FA Cup first round, so hoping to do uh, well, just to shine some some light on some, some good results this coming weekend. But yeah, as I said, um, you're not going to always just hear my voice, as always. Uh, joining me this week is uh, band manager and all-round organiser, but also Bandley Burnley fan, Lee Burgess. Lee, thank you very much for, for joining me. How How is everything? How's everything in your world?
1: Yeah, it's pretty good. Thanks for having me. Um, apart from where Burnley are on the table and the... <laughs> the current looming of what's happening in the US election getting me on edge um, as the day we're doing this for people who are listening it's the fourth and it's 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 nervy um, so yeah just that stuff
0: yeah it's not very clear what the fuck's going on at the moment is it
1: yeah I was just looking through my twitter feed and it feels like I think it, Biden's just edging Wisconsin by 0.1% now um, and it looks likely he's going to maybe get that, which would be great. Um, and then obviously mm-hmm. we've got loads of postal votes to come in, which should be more uh, blue than red. But it's a funny old game, so who knows? I'm not counting any chickens Yeah. Yet. Um, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> I was I was kind of just hoping it'd be a bit more clear. And before I went to bed at like ten past four last night, it would have been a bit more. Dominant on Biden's side, so it be comfortable in that.
0: Yeah, well, so because I've I work <laughs> nights, so I was like listening to it throughout the night, kind of thing, and um yeah, like so, similar to what you said. Like I was hoping, sort of, by the time we'd kind of reach like three, four o'clock, I was hoping there'd be some kind of clearer image as to what's going on, and then we're what half past three in the afternoon, and it's still no real clear indication as to who's going to be be in charge so yeah who knows
1: fingers crossed
0: but um before yeah before we kind of get into all the football chat how i kind of like to open it up is because obviously we kind of mix music and football but like in your role i'm sure obviously you kind of deal with specific bands and things but have you been listening to to anything good in the last couple of weeks that you'd recommend to people
1: um I actually really do like that new Bring Me the Horizon mini album that they put out. It's really interesting little, mm. um, little idea and some cool collaborations. And I was intrigued to where it goes, a lot heavier parts, feels it's just really fun. I like baby metal, um, so that's quite cool. I, oh, I'm not a massive Evanescence fan, but you know, you can't deny that they're a good band and got a lot of history. So it's, some of the collaborations are cool, like Nova Twins are great. So. It, um, yeah, i re- really enjoyed listening to that. Um, what else i listen to? I need to listen to nothing but Thieves' record, but I haven't got around to it yet, but I've heard good things about that. Um, yeah, I've just been a little bit slow on some of the stuff the past couple of weeks. Um, had to... <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's just, I'll, I'll just get a list, and it's like, oh, God, I need to actually catch up on things, and I'll just have like a full day of going, right, let's get through all this stuff. Um, what else has come out? Yeah. I really should... That sounds awful doesn't it what else has come out um there's just been a lot happening hasn't there it's like you know yeah I, no, you know, no ariana grande records out or has it, it just come out i think i need to listen to that very yeah punk, yeah
0: like last but, last week or something it came yeah
1: around. very very punk of me <laughs> yeah. um but yeah gotta do enjoy a bit of pop on the side gotta keep it balanced
0: yeah and And just in terms of like your role with obviously like 30th century management, like obviously I don't want to kind of dwell on it too much, but obviously everything that's going on at the moment, how have you kind of been sort of like dealing with the bands that you work with? Like, have you kind of sort of been speaking like strategy and, and stuff like that? Like, or have you kind of, I don't know, come to terms with how things are and worked accordingly sort of thing?
1: It's been a bit of both. Like, um, all my artists on my roster were all in sort of different phases of campaigns and some were able to, some were already in quick motion. So the Shakari campaign um, for the new album that started effectively in January, um, with like teasing and single announcements and whatever, that came out in April. Um, so everything was all in motion and we didn't want to, a lot of people were delaying albums and luckily because we a very like, DTC-based and working with um, indie label, so recordings, we had a few less hoops that we had to jump through in regards to like, distribution and whatever. So we were able to get that out on time. But it was just annoying having to cancel everything. But then we announced our tour for the end of the year, which is going to be starting. I think Bandwomen have just done their big Russian shows now and going to be like Eastern Europe. Um, the big UK shows with Ali Pali and stuff were this month um, throughout November, that was the point where we had announced those in like early April or around mid April, I think. Um, yeah, because we already had like ad space in magazines and things that had been sent off to print and whatever. So it's like, let's just announce it. It's a bit weird, but now that we're optimistic that things would be open. We'd, we were still thinking Red needs to happen and things in April. Um, yeah, but now it's like, it got pushed back to next year. So the, the shows are in the UK, May, June. Um, so with that in mind, it's now just filling that gap for them. Um, but the album was really successful. It was number two record at the highest charting position. The Sales were really strong. Um, and the tickets have done really well, which is quite surprising. We weren't sure how it was going to go. Um, announcing a tour in lockdown and loads of shows already sold out. Most are on the way. Um so that's positive. So it's it's now just filling that gap that is very weird for a band that are always on the road and have been doing that for like the last yeah. 14, 15 years. It's just been gigs, gigs, gigs. So it's been weird for them. So um they've they've been busy with other bits of stuff, um which uh like rows writing a new book, for example, um, which I can say because he's actually tweeted that he's doing it. Trying not to, trying to remember what I kind of can't <laughs> say. Um, and yeah, it's just yeah, it's they've been they have been busy doing bits and doing like recording some stuff at home with green screens and whatever and filming um, at home versions of stuff which they've they've um, always been really good at because they're quite technical and they've got a lot of the gear at home they can do really good recordings of things and it's. You know, they're a band that mm. has stuff at home and not all bands do so they're quite lucky in that respect um but then, but then other bands yeah. like i'd say like activist and the youth are two bands kind of are in a similar position at the moment where albums were written and then recorded just before lockdown but then we're kind of holding them and working out what to do and we don't want to announce them too early and then they're done by the time we can tour so we're still kind of creating plans and having rough timelines but try not to commit too much so we don't have to un- unravel everything um and just kind of follow some sort of idea of what could be right but at the moment it's really strange because there's still no right and wrong with it and you see other artists doing one thing another artist doing another some people are just cracking on with campaigns and just going for it and other people are laying low and trying to figure out what to do um, so, so yeah it's Kind of just trying to figure out what seems right for what we need for those artists at the moment. Um, And then, yeah, other artist Sean McGowan he went and did a barbering course, Um, and now he's and now he's cutting (laughs) hair Um, and he's writing an album at the same time. He was going to record it um, around now, but he's decided to do that next year instead. Um, And now he's just it's well, he's as of tomorrow, he's not cutting hair for a month, but. He did the full course? was yeah. Working at a shop in Southampton, and now we're even talking about doing something like a a, a barbershop and like music tour together, so he can do like a, a get get guest spots. <laughs> and, like, cool. tell you what I totally to do do guest spots around. So you do guest spot in the day, and then cut some hair and then play your gear at night. Might not work. It's a, a bit of a silly idea, but it's also quite charming. Um so I don't. I don't know. Yeah. It's just you know he's kept busy. He's retrained. He's doing. Rishi and Boris Proud. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then with that, it's like he's just not hes not in a rush to rush a record out. He'll once again, when it's the right time and record it at the right time and spend enough time getting material together that he's happy with. So, yeah, different artists, different clans, um, but just yeah. going with the flow and trying to vibe out what could be right and wrong. Same with socially distant shows some of my bands are doing them some of them aren't even now bands start to announce quite a few of them and then they've been rescheduled it's like you just can't win um so yeah so yeah if we can get a couple in we'll try but again it's not worth just forcing them in for the sake of it if they don't work in the bigger picture that's that really yeah
0: no that's fair enough well as you mentioned kind of at the top of the show obviously not a uh, great sort of start to the season for your beloved Burnley and I think a lot of kind of people as always whenever a, ba- uh, a team's not doing great the, the finger is pointed at the manager but I think like overall Sean Dyche has done an absolutely insanely good job at yeah. Burnley and I think that's like you can't take that away from him but I don't know like what's your perspective of of things currently like not saying that he needs to go but like what what do you think needs to change about um,
1: it is a strange one so i don't like to be overly critical of the board when a lot of other people do but the recruitment policy wasn't great this summer there's, there's some something about our recruitment that's always been a little bit second rate i'd say um mm. and i don't know if that's the personnel involved with scouting or whatever and, and i know Sean Dyche can be very picky in particular the type of players that he wants, but he's openly come out saying, i want this type of person It's normally like the second, third or fourth person down the list that ends up coming in because the others are too expensive. Yeah. Obviously the, the money in the game is ridiculous and Burnley is still a small team and Mike Garlick, the chairman, is a Burnley fan and um, isn't as rich compared to all the other like massive players wealthy businessmen that run other football clubs. Um, so we can't just chuck money at it, but we have invested really sensibly like the Premier League money and TV money over the past eight years of Sean Dash's reign over two promotions and um, put a lot of money into like, the training ground and facilities and getting things up to scratch that weren't quite there. So we invested in other places. And we, what, technically we're like, one of the richest clubs in Europe because we're not in debt um, there's no no yeah. outstanding balances anywhere, no DAF loans so on paper everything's really healthy, but you see what's happened to other clubs recently, especially northern like working class towns um, that have gone bankrupt and had to go into administration and dropping down leagues and you know that's very easy to happen if you don't look after you, you spend expenditure. we can't just go, we'll spend 30 million quid on a player and it don't work. It's like, all right, we'll sell them and try again. We don't have that luxury. So I understand why we haven't. Um, and we have spent big in place. Like we bought Ben Gibson for know, like 18 million quid or something. Um, as a centre-back to come in from Middlesbrough a couple of years ago. And he was going to be competing with James Sarkowski and Ben Mee. And it was at a point where he came in. I was like, well, Ben Mee has been a little bit iffy he'll probably end up phasing in over Ben Mee overseas, but then Ben Mee stepped up, him and Tarky just solidified an unreal partnership. Gibson ended up throwing his toys out the pram, and, well, left the lockdown, went back to train at Middlesbrough, wanted to play football, and then Ben Mee got injured, so he could have played and then been in the Premier League first team this year while me's still injured. But he, mm. you know, we spent a lot of money on him, but he didn't, he's not played, so... Yeah, that's I'd say that's kind of one of the things where that's why they don't want to spend too much money because we've spent money and it hasn't always worked out. And Daesh can be very rigid yeah, about yeah. who he plays, and he doesn't like changing it up too much. So you'll bring players in, but they've got to earn their. They don't automatically get in the team. He's more likely to play his trusted, long-standing players over someone new until they've really shown or had taken the opportunity, or there's an injury that forces that change in. Mm. Um, so, is that frustrating for, for you as a fan though? I, like
0: I, to like not not saying that like a new player needs like straight away has that right to go in the team because like I think they deserve like they need to obviously earn their place but like you, you always see it in the media like the new shiny toy comes in and they're sat on the bench like is that a frustrating thing or not?
1: Um, I, I do like playing the players who deserve to play and giving the people who have that shirt the chance to keep it especially when teams get promoted it really annoys when that team's like won the championship and then they just go and buy loads of players and then don't and then sell the players who won the league things like that we didn't do that luckily yeah but teams have done it before like qpr done it millsburg have done it um no leaves bought a few players yeah um but yeah it it does annoy me a little bit because i think it puts players off coming to us and especially loan deals we've had loan deals in the past where they don't play very often, so clubs don't want to loan as their young prospects, because they're not going to get the minutes, so they might you know, or players are looking at coming, it's like, I could go there and find my place, I could go to Burnley, and then it's like, well, he's probably not even going to play me that much, because look at what he's done with other players, I can can imagine that being quite difficult looking at things, Um, and especially with our youth players, we've had to play a few, but I've always found it very difficult, just don't bring that many through, That many, given that proper chance, the only person who really has is Dwight McNeil, and he was forced in the deep end because of injuries but then Sean so much it was impossible to leave him out and now he's our star player pretty mm. much um so i'd like to see a bit more of that but it is the very rigid sean dash i've got my core players i want to play in the rest the kind of i'll say surplus because he does rotate more than a bit more than he used to especially <laughs> with cup competitions but it can be like uh, it can, and yeah it's it can just be very frustrating to watch sometimes when it's the same starting 11, pretty much as we've seen for nearly three or four years with a lot of the s- similar players. Um, and even substitutions that we will be playing, it's like, we need to change it. And it will be like 80 minutes. And we still haven't made a change. It's like, ah, uh, and I, I find it very hard to critique Nash mm. cause it's not fair because he's done an amazing job with the limited budget we've had and the players that he's got. And he makes what is essentially a primarily looking championship side look, uh, like compete way above its uh, weight bracket especially last season and mm. um the Europa league season like punished way above our weight got loads of great results finished um like top half you know was it 50 odd points or something that's that's incredible um so i can't complain about it and when we do play well and we are on winning streaks and we've got that confidence behind us we do look good it's just when we're bad and we're struggling It's it's strange, because I hate to feel negative, it's just with such a thin squad and a lack of flair. When you look at other teams like Brighton as well, or uh, who've bought wisely and played nice football, it's like, could we just have a bit of a balance between how we play and how we could play some sort of different setup and seeming like, people come to Burnley and know what they're going to get. They know they're going to get a couple of long balls lumped up to Chris Wood or Ashley Barnes, it's going to be physical. Um, not going to be that much footballing. the passing's got better like we do play decent football we're not always long ball but it isn't always the most exciting brand to watch and I'd like to see a bit more something with like flairy players mixed in with that to change it up a little bit and yeah. not be so flat and rigid and we've got a plan A and well that's, that's what it.
0: I was going to say like do you think that like other teams not that badly have p- become predictable but other teams have kind of cottoned on to to the way that Burnley play like as you say kind of like not it's not saying that it's route one but because you've got like these physical strikers that Mm. will kind of hassle the defense that other teams have now kind of seen that and adapted and that's why Burnley have had this sort of stuttering start to Mm. this season
1: yeah there's that but the stuttering start as well was like down to injuries and um just it just didn't just it just didn't kick off well but we had such. A, we lost a few players in the summer. We only spent one million pounds in the summer, and that's the same as we spent twenty mm. years ago. It's like that's not really acceptable for a Premier League club. But know. <laughs> yeah. and then like, I mean, I'm not too bothered about the players that left, and they left. They were some like high wage players. Like Joe Hart was earning quite a bit. Aaron Lennon was on quite a bit. Jeff Hendrick would have been on quite a bit. But it's not even replacing them or like we replaced Joe Hart. But it's not like. With Dale Stevens for a million quid from Brighton, that's not exciting, is it? So you're looking at that and you've lost yeah, players. Yeah. And then we had injuries with, like, Goodmanson, Brady, um, Ben Meese still injured. Um, J-Rod got a knock. Ashley Barnes wasn't fit until now, and he's still not really 100% there. Um, Matt Lowton had a knock. It's just when when you're six or seven first-team players down with a small squad like we have, and you're not picking up results, it's quite difficult to grind in and get those results. And we, did, we played a lot better against Spurs. I thought we were unlucky, but then Chelsea would just seem to get their click together finally, obviously, against us mm. at the weekend. And it was just a very dominant and um, confident performance from them to just ease through the game and get that 3 0 win. But um, I'd, I still yeah. think we've got enough to get. Through the season, I think you watch match today, and like Alan Shearer and everyone are always like, "Yeah, they trust Sean Dyche. They'll get a result. They'll start to grind it out. We'll get a bit of form going, a bit of a run, and then um, go from there." It's just we're notoriously not very good over the festive period, ever in my lifetime. <laughs> I don't think. Yeah. Um, so we need to get some points on the board before it gets a bit of a plus the fuck Um, and get yeah. too, too far behind because that's when. It starts getting
0: scary mm. and before we kind of move on I always sort of like want to find like how kind of people kind of relate the sort of alternative music world and sort of like punk ethos with sort of like football and how they kind of find the interconnectivity and things like that so for you like where what do you kind of feel like the crossover point is with like football and like having like a punk mentality because like we've spoken on this show before like on paper football is this multi-million pound global thing, but it has these kind of like punk roots and like punk community feels for it. So for you, what what's, what's the crossover personally?
1: Well, I support my local team. It's a working class team that's an overachiever. Um, like we're a small town, but the, I think the population versus attendance is one of the highest. I can't remember the exact figures, mm. but it's always been high um, in, in regards to like, you know, even though it's a what 23,000 seat stadium, for the amount of people that live in the local area that, and how many people go, it's high, it's well supported, it's the, the backbone of the community. And that's like, that is kind of punk in a way. support your local team through thick and thin. It's like going to your local music venue and supporting your local bands and helping them. Then you're proud of them when they do well and they end up getting big. and Playing bigger venues and selling out tours or supporting their heroes or whatever, um, or starting to sell records and things. It's kind of similar. I mean, I started going to Burnley in the mid 90s when I was like five years old in the old Division Two, playing Walsall and Brentford and Luton and Blackpool and whatever. Um, and we were a mid table Division Two team. So seeing as now in the Premier League for five the last eight years with Sean Dash I think it was or five seasons in a row can't remember where we're at Um, and like even getting Europa League qualifying we didn't quite make the group stages but I went to every single game going out to Olympiacos away Istanbul away Aberdeen away you know those things are crazy for a club like Burnley Um, and we just seemed to get the the toughest qualifying draw it was harder than a group like we were just expecting to play like some random team <laughs> yeah. in Romania and or whatever, um, and we got three really tough draws. But um, getting knocked out by Olympiakos is not anything to be embarrassed at, especially when we should have beat them at home that night on the second leg. Um, but mm. about twenty odd shots on goal, which is crazy. Um, so that's kind of for me. Like I don't feel like I'm a sellout where I support. I could have easily supported Liverpool or Man United being from Burnley. There's plenty of those people around, um, but no, I stuck to the team that were my local side, close to my heart. And if they get end up going down and going down the divisions, I'll still be going to see them play. I'll still be sporting them, and just enjoying the highs now while they're a, you know, chart topping. Not, <laughs> um, <laughs> and then later on, um, when they're not as big, and they, I was like, well, you know, remember the good days, you know, yeah, yeah. It's that type of thing. I guess that's where the crossover is for me. Um yeah.
0: Yeah. And the other thing that I obviously like I asked you to sort of have a think about is obviously um any sort of particular player, sort of past or present that you think sort of embodies like the punk ethos for Burnley. So is there any players that kind of spring to mind?
1: That's it's quite a hard one. Um I'd I'd say it's weird because put that punk ethos and then I'll start thinking about you look at the players and like, do any of them actually listen to guitar music? And it's not actually, that's not the question, is it? <laughs> yeah. I'd say like homegrown players who've worn the shirt, sweat for the shirt, bled for the shirt. Um, players like Andy Payton um, back in the late 90s, early 2000s, like some Padium, grew up in Burnley. Um, it's called the Padium Predator, scored loads of goals. It was like, so proud to wear that shirt every single game um yeah he worked his socks off had a he had a great career playing like european trophies not trophies just in european competitions with celtic and stuff when he played for burnley is like he loved it he's still part of it i don't know if he's still doing the ladies team he was doing it i think his daughter plays for them um he's very much that type of guy even though he's not punk um, that's the type of embodiment of the club. Yeah, yeah. And like similar to like Jay Rodriguez, I guess he's Burnley-born and bred. He was used to be a ball boy. He came through the academy, played, went away, played for, like arguably bigger sides at the time. Um, came back, you know, and he's so passionate about it. Cares about the town. Does loads of charity work. Um, yeah, it's just something about the the town and stuff that people love, I guess. Um, and just like the community yeah. aspect and the, the way it is and how much it means to the people around. It's not like, you know, just any club you visit, a lot of people come and fall in love with it. who You don't expect to, like Joey Barton, for example, never thought he would mm. he would do. And he just absolutely loved playing for us in the end. Um, loved playing under Sean Dyche. Like, got so much respect for the guy now. Um, I think it helped. Yeah, trim into the type of role he needed to then go and manage like Fleetwood and stuff and be the person he is now I don't think he'd be like that if he didn't come and play for us and it changed him as a person seeing what that's like um so yeah if that answers that maybe yeah no, no no
0: (laughs) it definitely does well we'll kind of segue on that in terms of like uh, people like being proud to wear the shirt and and things like this. Um, a club that's kind of come into some heat for, for their shirt sponsors in, in specific is Bristol City. Like this isn't necessarily aimed at City themselves, but obviously they're getting a lot of heat of it. Um, it's their sp- shirt sponsor, Mason Betts, have been basically doing a door-to-door campaign of trying to get people involved in like football betting and things like this. And they've come under a lot of criticism for it. And like the reason I bought this to it is because I've have this weird relationship with like gambling within football. Like I understand it's a it's a part of it. It always has been since I was a kid. Like I remember go, going to Fratton Park and having the old line of betting slips and, and things like that and seeing all the old blokes like writing their bets out and whatever. But obviously with technology and and so on and so forth today, like, it's literally in your hand 24-7 if you wanted it sort of thing so i don't know like this just was a looked a really shitty move from a club that's on the up that i, I don't know how much involvement they had of it but it's yeah for them to kind of get a backlash is not a, yeah. a good look in my opinion
1: so it, what, what was your but goal yeah, i it? I was trying to kind of sit on both sides of the fence and try and understand it a bit and this the club must have been involved because there's no way you would have got that, the data of all those addresses to send physical post out to either club season ticket holders or just members who bought tickets, or is it, you know, there's different levels of, so but you've got a massive data pool of everyone who's bought something for you. So depends who those people were, they were hitting up with the offers, but um, the club must have permitted it because, and then, or they must have sent it on the behalf of the betting company because you can't just give addresses to a company because they're your sponsor because of gdpr surely um so something does feel a bit dirty about it but i understand it from a betting company or any sponsor it's like well we've spent a lot of money sponsoring the club but no one's coming into the ground and using our like seeing our logo everywhere it's been seen on online but i guess with bristol city and teams lower than premier league you're not on tv that much so your logos aren't being seen your billboards aren't being seen hmm. it might be the type of thing that if it was a match day they'd have just had someone fly in and giving flyers out with things like that's that's fine it seems like someone's just gone right we need to hit people up with some offers we want we need to get more fans signing up we're not seeing the the uptake we expected from this partnership so to come together they've gone right how about we do this not really thought it through Especially during the pandemic when people are losing their jobs and or people are desperate for money, so they may be looking into betting as a try and win money, but then can cause problems. Uh, ex-addicts could be receiving them. who were trying to get away from it. You don't know who you're posting to. Um, I guess kids as well could open that post and see it. So it's got Bristol City on it. I'm going to open this letter. Um, so it's, it is a bit dirty. It's a bit. Strange. But, I mean, I just think there's too much betting sponsorship in football anyway, so it doesn't surprise me. It's like yeah, I agree. It's, what, what's the percentage now of uh, teams sponsored by betting firms? It's like uh, two thirds or something. Um, and even if your yeah. main sponsor isn't it, you still. Every- and it's
0: like even. It's like even like when you're like watching like a live game or something like during halftime, you have like all the adverts for like the in in-game betting and and everything like that and I know there was a thing recently that they wanted to try and curtail that but it still happens and it's is that like as you say like whether it's through the poster on telly like it's getting it like punched in your face rammed down your throat and if you are an ex-addict like you just want to sit and enjoy a game that you you love and have a passion for you don't want that constant reminder being shoved in your face and yeah, I just thought this was like a re- like really ill-thought-out campaign. Like, I-, I get what you were saying, like with you want, as a sponsor, like you need to kind of generate some kind of awareness and income and whatever, but I don't know. It, j- it just feels like there was n- no kind of thought in this. They just kind of yeah. thought, right, this is a campaign we can do. We've got Bristol City's backing because we're their sponsor. Let's run with it sort of
1: thing it should have been an email you know something you go you used to get in an email but you people get less physical posts now so post stands out but if it came from the club via an email or in a partnership it's very easy to go oh, just delete that that's normal like a, a social media post you just see it and you're yeah, past yeah. It. um but it just it felt it's quite invasive posting like they wouldn't call you up and ask if you want to do it, so it's similar to that. I think people are more <laughs> yeah. digital now, so they don't want that stuff through the post. Um, but then, I, then I was thinking, like, but what if it was say a pie company that sponsored Bristol City, a local pie brand, and they were like, right, we're going to send an offer through the post. Would people then look at that as dimly? It's fatty food, I guess. So, is it is that still irresponsible, or is it okay because? It's not as t- taken under as negative light as gambling. If it's like, oh, you know, if you go to whatever, you can get buy one, get one free and pies or some bollocks. I don't know. I don't know why I start thinking about pies. Probably because I'm a bit hungry. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, is it because it is a gambling firm and is it not, is it and the combination of events? Because if a different sponsor was seemed a bit better light and it came it as a letter, would people actually care? Um, I do think it's a combination of a few things rather than just what it's an addition of all of them, isn't it? Um, and yeah, they should yeah, yeah. They should apologise for it and just move on and just go, look. yeah, this was a bit daft. We won't do it again. Um, but yeah, it all just comes down to the overbearing amount of betting advertisement in the game. And I'm going to mention Joy Barton again, but it's because he came under fire at Burnley when it came out that he'd made 1,260 bets in 10 years. And he said, I'm a betting addict. So mm. It's was like, but you're not doing anything to help me when I'm playing in a shirt with a betting sponsor on me. I'm making all this money. I'm surrounded by betting. I watch football the weekend. It's there. Um, you know, there's no, it's like, there's no, it's like they're, they're not adding the two things together that players who earn a lot of money and have spare time and are involved in a game and can, just go, well, I'll put money on this and that, because it doesn't really affect them, but then you end up losing a load of money over time or winning a lot of money. Um, How those people can be affected who are actually playing the game as well as the fans and the negative effects of it. And there's no, it seemed like there was no support group or there was no, they weren't taking the blame for it. And Joey Barton was in court saying, I did it, but you've got to understand something needs to change. And, you know, we can't, you, you can't be, giving me shit for this when this is something you actively promote and something doesn't add up here mm. um, so I, I do yeah I do think some these change but then who is going to be the people sponsoring the clubs it's maybe not like it's bad with Premier League clubs because someone sponsored but the lower league teams that need the, the sponsorship money if that's the highest bidder then that's the highest bidder it, should they not take that money because they need to function to then go with a lesser bidder through no. you know obviously there's You've got your ethical conscience, but you've also got to run a business, and it's an expensive business to run. And turning down money, or going, or like, you know, if it, clubs end up losing money if they do ban betting on front, uh, on the front of pay, uh, front of things, or it just ends up going right. You can have a you can have a sleeve logo maybe, and not the main sponsor. Um, yeah. Try and change it that way, but then clubs will go, well, they were the people paying the most money, so who's going to cover that? deficit if we're making x amount less a year because you've stopped us getting a certain type of sponsor it's a a strange catch 22 in a way um but i'm not the person to fix that (laughs) i can just talk about it (laughs) um that's the thing
0: though like it is that mentality of they are they've it is a big sort of moneymaker, like not just for the clubs, but obviously for the sponsors themselves kind of thing. And like, as I said earlier, like betting's been part of football for as long as I can remember going. But like, I don't know. It's kind of like the whole like fast food advertising and smoking advertising sort of thing. I think there may like, there maybe needs to be more legality around it. But then you say like, that's then taking money away from clubs so where does that kind of gap come from like how do you fill that gap and I don't know like we might in a couple of years not have to have this conversation because there might be this new wonderful sponsor that comes in and sponsors all these clubs but I think in until that happens it's just another part and parcel of the game that we have to accept unfortunately
1: yeah I mean I'm not opposed post like clubs having like official betting partners and things, and like you go into the ground and they've got their betting booths because that's part of it. You go in, you can do your physical bets, or yeah. you get certain offers if you're a season ticket holder and you scan a QR code to get offers or something like that, you know. That's there and it's around. But then on the front of shirts, it's it's the combination of everything where it's the dominant thing rather than just like a thing in the corner or catching your eye. You're going to see it on the advertising boards and stuff, but then it's 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 getting the balance right, because yeah. Part of the game is look, I'm going to put a stupid accumulator on today. Or I'm going to go and put a tenor on on whatever, or you know. And you mates talk about it in the pub. You sit there, you stick some bets on before the game. Um, You win a few quid, you might lose a few quid, but there's a lot of people that can't that don't have a limit. Like I've always been really good with limiting it, and I won't spend more than a certain amount of weekend on it if I even remember to do it. But there's a lot of people that <laughs> yeah literally every day be betting on something or you know get really deep in it and hooked in it and that's where it's like you don't know how much it's affecting people especially when the people you're hooking in are the working class people on behalf of like footballers playing multi-millionaires playing football and big TV deals big mm. betting companies the only people that are technically losing um, are the poorer working class football fans that go on the games or watch the games at home and it's like it's it feels like that's why it's a bit irky isn't it it's like it's taking money from the poor and giving it to the rich these betting companies are making money yeah the clubs are making money the players are making money but the people that ultimately getting shafted apart from the ones that end up winning a bunch of money and some will but a lot of people won't are the the fans same as with ticket prices same as with Paying for subscriptions, you know, they're constantly, you know, the people the people that are keeping these sponsorships alive, as well as like the life force of the-, the teams and the clubs and whatever, but they're kind of not always treated fairly or with the right level of respect in um in certain things like that, I guess.
0: Yeah. And just before we move on, like, on um, one more thing on on the actual the Bristol sit C- um city incident, the the wording of the letter like which I thought was quite quite poor in terms of where we are at the moment with sort of coronavirus, they took a like a cheap dig at their rivals Bristol Rovers and called them the blue flu, which just yeah that's that's not a good yes. look, especially when it's people are dying it. of a virus. Yeah, um, but yeah, like another point that's kind of come out this week, which is kind of causing controversy, is, well, he's a man that's been a bit naughty before, he's been naughty again, is uh, Wales manager Ryan Giggs, he's
1: been sort of,
0: I can't remember if he's actively been charged He's been, he's assault, been arrested, but... and
1: he's there's like, with, like, there's a bail, um, there's really some bail or something, and the, but then he yeah, says he's actively like, working alongside the police and denies any of the charges, um, as he would.
0: Yeah, so these are allegations that have come out that he's, he's assaulted his girlfriends and it's been reported in several kind of news outlets. As as a result, um, the Welsh FA have kind of come out and said that them and Giggs have said for the upcoming like international camp that Giggs won't be involved. Yeah um but like we've we've seen in the past like gigs is not a person that's shied away from controversy like the stuff with um was it rebecca lowe's like back back years ago like he and he's he's been sort of caught out in these situations before Uh, and and i don't know like
1: well obviously like this gets a lot more media attention because of because of the stuff with his brother's wife and all that scenario so it's Anything that happens with him and a, a woman is going to get a lot of media. Attention. I mean, if he's done it, it deserves a, attention anyway. Um, as far as I'm aware, she's moved out in a in a safe house or something with the dog. Um, yeah, I mean, there's not much information about what happened. Apparently, there's there is some mm. um, visual evidence, like so there might be some marks or cuts or. Bruises, I don't know. Yeah, I think there's like bruises on her arm. There's no specifics about what actually went on. Um, So until until it happens, I think it's smart from the FA. You know, there were men who announced their, the Welsh FA, there were men who announced their team yesterday, was it? Um, But it's good to act quick and it would be a bad look at the moment when, I mean, they probably know a bit more information than the public do, but it's very limited and it's like, well, you've got to support... Um, yeah, sp- support um his girlfriend in this matter and not just sweep something serious under the carpet. Wait till there's more information out there and just go, look, you own well, on. So Plus, I think they've dealt with it really well. Um, yeah, and then, I mean, until more comes out, it's hard to really say, but I mean, and the level of the assault, it's hard to, you know, but if he has done something bad and, you know, then, I mean, probably should Lose his job, I don't know how serious it is yet. Um, Well, that's
0: what I was going to say. Like, because of how well the FA and how quickly the the Welsh FA have acted, do you think that if if this does go further and sort of um, like criminal charges are are taken against gigs, do you think that the the, the Welsh FA will just wash their hands of him and be like, fuck you, sort of thing?
1: I think they have to, in um, especially in the the current climate and um, I think it'd be really bad luck to not support um, the victim. Unless she came out and said, look, no, nah, I don't want him to lose his job. She might come out and say something publicly. You know, actually, I don't think that's fair. Yeah. I, I, you don't know how serious it is between the, the two. If she's like absolutely livid and they're going to break up because at the moment they, see, there's nothing that says they have or haven't. Um, she might just go, look, yeah, this, this happened. I want him to be, Child, yeah, know, uh, I don't know, but if it is serious and he gets in trouble, and it turns out to be bad. Then yeah, he probably should lose his job It's just it's bad. It's bad luck for young kids and as a role model. Um, and he just needs to, you know, come out and apologise. I don't know if he'll end up, you know, what the punishment will be. You can't, with what it what it looks like on a very S- smallly explained smallly, <laughs> simply explain <laughs> digital um article you know it doesn't seem that bad it doesn't look like it's beat a black and blue not that you know one you know there is a scale of it even though any assault's bad you know i'm not trying to um mm. lessen down you know assaulting assaulting women is not okay period um yeah it's Depends whether he just needs to stay under the radar for a bit and then do these things pass after time, depending what it is, depending on the public responses to it as well. Um, It is a strange one, but at the moment, it feels like it's been dealt with properly until there's more information and then they'll take them there. But I feel like it'd be a bad look to keep someone in a job like that as a role model and inspiration to a lot of people. Just because of who he is, mm. and it's
0: like,
1: just because you're well, Ryan Giggs again, mean you can get away with this. Of,
0: and um, so yeah, like obviously there was all the the stuff that kind of came out with Giggs, and as you mentioned, with his with his brother and and his wife at the time, and there has been pictures that of lead that are allegedly are uh, this new girlfriend, but that's not been confirmed. But has that kind of has Giggs been like? tarred with this brush now that like because of everything that happened in the past and now this coming out that it's sort of like people are already making judgments on him like is that rightly so like i don't know like am i kind of thinking about too much into it
1: um i can see why people kind of just come back to because he was well it's, it's weird because there's two sort total, of totally separate things but with women so it gets pulled into the same yeah. argument so cheating on your wife with your brothers girlfriend for your brother's wife or girlfriend whatever it was for eight years is a very bizarre unique story and high profile but it's not like you going to go to jail for that it's just that's a bit shitty <laughs> yeah um but then like a lot of i mean it, it's just it's just a, a bit of a silly story it's like oh another knobhead footballer cheating on his wife what a surprise none of them keep it in the pants
0: yeah yeah
1: um but then assaults are different thing it's not like cheating on your wife for eight years isn't serious but it's like i mean it's just far more common and regular these days like people getting divorced people cheating. it's just especially with footballers it's just oh well another one but then yeah assault's different um and yeah it's a bit uglier regardless of them not they've only been together a few years on and off or whatever they're not married but if that picture's right, and you know she has, it, it was um, like facial bruising and cuts. Then that's awful, and definitely should mm. be um, charged and probably let go from his position. I'd say if that's if that's that. Um, but until that picture's confirmed, it's just speculation and guesswork. Um, yeah, people will. To go back into your question, people will assume he is guilty because he's done something bad in the past, even though it's not been, like, as far as we're aware, physical abuse with the previous partners. Some might come out saying, yeah, you actually did it with me, I just never did anything about it. You just... You never know. Um, hopefully not.
0: Mm. Well, on a, um, a lighter note, shall we say, um, there's yeah. a, a story that I kind of brought to you, which I love these moments in football where you kind of get these kind of... Just, like, you you think them up it's kind of like a royal the rovers thing or something like you never imagine it actually happening but this was something that happened in the fifth tier of spanish football um i will be putting the the video in the episode notes if anyone wants to check it out um but it's Vinero's, Do check it out. uh cf yeah their goalkeeper so everyone always knows this like i think Peter michael's the most famous one for doing it keepers going up for set pieces late in the game Uh, But their goalkeeper, Carlos Aguirre, I think that's how you say it, Torres, had gone up for this free kick and actually scored a worldie. It was a a good curling effort from the edge of the box, which brought his his team level. There was mass celebration, like players piling on him. The camera follows him, jogging back to his line, massive grin on his face, pumps pumps the air like, yes, I've got a point for my team. Turned around to step back on his line, immediately turns back, and the ball was floating over his head and goes into the net. <laughs> it's just yep. like one of those comic moments. It's like you can't write it. It's yeah, it's just like I, I. thought I'd bring this to you because I thought it was a bit funny.
1: Yeah, it's pure. It's pure like lowly golden. I follow a couple of accounts showing clips of stuff that happened, and that's the beauty of people having phones now and everything being filmed. This is stuff you wouldn't have seen in the nineties or whatever. Um, But now everything's filmed, everything's recorded. You get to see these wonderful moments from strange scenes you've never heard of on the other side of the world. I mean, obviously Spain isn't, but you see stuff in America and, uh, you know, Asian football and all sorts of nonsense. But this one was crazy. I, I was just really surprised by the fact it like the first ball that comes into the box doesn't even reach the first man and kind of gets cleared, but he has no urgency <laughs> yeah. to get yeah. back. He still hovers forward. It's like, what? and it's out of shots. So it must have been obviously it was going to their man to recover the ball and play it through again, but it didn't even look like he wanted to come back and he got it. And he was like some kind of sketchy touch and no one shut him down, pinged it in. I was like, oh, that, that must have been such a feeling. Everyone was going bonkers. But I felt really harsh because. He's not even made it back to his goal line and stood still. And I thought when kicks like restarts are being taken after a goal, the refs check with the keepers, they're ready and then they go. I don't know if that's just a thing they used to do. It feels like they took the restart before it was ready. Obviously, the team um wanted to go quick because it was like final minutes. But the ref should have just been waiting until the keeper's are ready, but he's still like moving backwards towards his goal and then he's got to like kind of turn around and see the ball come towards him, jump to try and stop it. I don't, I don't think that was fair on him, personally. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't think it should have been allowed, but I don't blame the team for going <laughs> for it. They've, seen it. they've seen him off his line, but he's off his line because the ball was out of play from a goal and he should be allowed to get back into position before you restart and go, right, I'm ready, hand up and then you do your kick. But he wasn't. So. Yeah. Maybe yeah, I'm just the on the side was of the keeper that's the great goal, but... Yeah.
0: yeah. The the thing that I thought was brilliant about the video, though, is the is the commentary is the it's this male and female like Spanish like commentators. They're obviously like for the club kind of thing. Um, and they're, they're going nuts, enjoying the goal and whatever, like saying, oh, it's a historic moment and all this. And then they see the ball drop over the keeper's head and the woman commentator just goes, oh, no, <laughs> it's just it's like, yeah gutter a response of, like, oh, fuck, sort of thing, which I thought was brilliant. None
1: of the, none of the players complained either. They all just went, but oh. So I'd be fuming that that was allowed to be taken so quickly with my keeper not ready. The keeper just led there and didn't really... Compl- I was like, so why... I don't know. I just felt it was a bit like distasteful and unsportsmanlike to have taken a kick when a keeper's not even ready. But I mean, people do take quick quick free kicks things, so it's up to the referee to control it. But if the referee's blown his whistle and permitted it, then fine. But from a restart running back and you've taken a kick to chip to lob him, I don't know, it feels a bit, yeah, (laughs) whatever. It was entertaining. (laughs) So if that didn't happen, we wouldn't be talking about it. And it's probably got a load of eyes and ears on that club and that league, Um, especially in Spain, I guess. I'm sure it was probably all over papers and stuff. Abuse of the internet, share these things and enjoy them. Carlos Aguayo! Carlos Aguayo! Historic! Historia! Oh, Carlos Aguayo! Maremewa! King Olal Narantai Pico! ¡Qué con todos ustedes el dictado! ¡Ficado un marcado y pellizcola! No, oh. ¡No! ¡No me lo creo! ¡No me Hostias. lo creo! ¡No me lo creo! Esto Right,
0: so uh, for regular listeners of the show, they'll know that we like to kind of shine a spotlight on uh, lesser-known teams and non-league teams. So each week I ask my guests to bring uh, a team to the table. So, Lee, who's the team that you're bringing to the table?
1: Um, I was going to talk about Akron Stanley, but no, I'm going to talk about St. Albans City FC. So Um, what's
0: your your affiliation with them?
1: Okay, so um, this new season... um, Enos who we manage, um, are from St Albans, and we've been talking about it for a little while. And we partnered with the club and sponsored their shirts. Um, they play National League South, um, which is you know it's not a it's not a bad standard at all. They were they a good side, mm. um, and yeah, it just kind of came into place and. They have new kits with um, Hummel this year and they're really nice. Hummel have had a nice resurgence lately. The Chevron designs are really popular and they've taken on a few more larger sides around Europe. And like like the Everton kits look really good this year. And I think there's someone else in the Premier League that has Hummel maybe. Um, but yeah, it just kind of made sense in a few different directions because even though, like we spoke about earlier, trying to combine like how music and football align together. Um both Nishikari and St. Albans City FC have similar ethics in the way that they present themselves and how they work. So people who know NHK as a band know like um they were very big growing up in like the DIY scene and supporting independent venues hmm. and we still to this day work with music independent music venues and we're patrons of music venue trust. Um, things like that. Um, we do quite a lot of charity work. We team up with all sorts of various charities from local community stuff, like we worked with um a local children's homeless charity this summer um, in in St Albans and Hertfordshire, but then other stuff like Teenage Cancer Trust, War Child, Nordhoff Robbins. Um, we do various stuff for Black Lives Matter charities this summer as well. Um, so we do we do all sorts of things. But so the football club also do. A lot of some of their local community and it's not just a football club p- uh, focused on sp- the adult team, especially as a lower league team where there's not a lot of money going around, they spend a lot of their time working with um, the youth, and disabled football, women's football, uh, combining all elements of the club and bringing it together into one direction of general community support and not just being for adult males, it's for everybody Uh, and being very inclusive and open and um, refreshing in a way. So um, it just kind of made sense. And um, the kits look sick, Uh, look good with our logo on it. (laughs) Um, And yeah, it's something we wanted to do and get involved with and something different. Um, We ended up getting loads of press out of it, which was quite weird. I was like speaking with people from you know like classic football shirts and stuff like that or um other people from, like local radio and tv talk mm. there was a segment on talk sport about it um, so it's quite it's quite cool it's quite different it was nice um, chris in the band so how did how did they
0: actually like come about like in terms of cuz i i remember seeing it and i thought it was like a really cool sort of little thing and like the only other sort of team that i can remember Sort of doing something similar is Kingstonian, they were obviously sponsored by Banquet mm. Records for a long time. So,
1: yeah, there's been a so how,
0: how did it kind of come about?
1: Um, there's been a few other teams, I think like Libertines have done some stuff, and I made them do some stuff with West Ham, not really a sponsorship, but they did a collaboration shirt. Uh, mm. there's, been, there's been a few, um, but with this, like Chris Batten, bassist, um, he used to wear like an old St. Albans shirt on stage back in the day. and um, still goes to games every now and then when they're off tour, cause it's our know, local team. Um, his dad, um, who works for our business side of things and works with our company and the band and things, um, is like, knows people who work there knows the chairman Lawrence and a few people. And it's just been like, as a local thing, kind of just know each other. Um, I didn't personally, mm. but the band did and uh, like extended members of our team and stuff. So it just then became like a conversation from that and other stuff that we do locally with the band and uh, local venues and stuff that we uh, help out or partner with in certain projects. So it just kind of started as just a little conversation that kind of built and said, you oh, know, actually, this would be a good idea. Um, and we went ahead and did it essentially. Um, and you know, it's been great for the club getting more revenue in, especially in a difficult time. Um, you know, it's worked as a you know, there's been a lot of awareness. There's been fans and Shkari fans tuning in, watching their live streams on the other side of the world wearing St. Auburn shirts and sending pictures That's and cool. on Twitter and stuff. And it's like it's you know, it's it's quite fun seeing that. And as a football fan and a music fan, it was really cool for me uh combining two big passions in my life and doing something like this um so yeah it was fun fun for me to work on something different and um gonna cont- oh it's been a bit difficult i've only, I've been able to go on one game um as even because of behind the closed doors stuff but we were allowed to go because it was in a working capacity and social distance with masks throughout the game and all yeah so, yeah um but it'd be nice to be able to go on more games in the future and figure out other stuff we can do together as things go forward but um kind of been halted slightly but um you know even like rob the drummer who's not a particularly big football fan um his neighbor is the um commentator for the local radio station so he's rob's been going okay commentating on the games of the local radio but because he doesn't know much about football it's just quite funny um say some of the, <laughs> like awesome. the wrong terminology but he's getting really behind it and you know it's local the local spirit and backing it and um you know, you know getting involved and enjoying it rather than you know shying away from something that you don't know much about you know it's yeah it's, it's been fun in that way
0: and like because i guess kind of like again intertwining those that thing of like music and, and football. Like we see loads of bands sort of kind of do like limited run merch and and things like that. So I I don't know, but have like, have Shikari fans been kind of approaching this as kind of like, I don't know, like a bit of merch in some aspects, because it it is in some aspects, but it's something a bit quirky.
1: Yeah. That's, that's kind of how it's come across. Like there are a lot of Shikari fans who do like football, but because it's not like a big team, it doesn't feel like it's clashing with who you you support. It's, you're allowed a second team that are non-league. So they're generally mm. just like, oh, this is a really cool idea. I really like it. Um, the kits look good. And they'll be like, oh, I'll keep eye out for St. Albans results as well as my normal team. And they can run side by side. It's not a competition. It's only been a competition yeah. for the local fans from St. Albans who support the other local teams instead. And they'll, like, oh, I can't buy that because I support, I don't know, Harp hot, hot <laughs> and Yeah. I can't remember the other local teams. Um, so like when it's a bit too close on. But yeah, people have liked it and um, really taken to it. And because it is different, um, it's like bright yellow and blue. It's not a normal band merch item. Um, there's a bunch of people mm. like, oh, I can't wait, wait to wear these. It's perfect to wear a gig because it's active wear. You know what I mean? Or, you know, you can sweat in it and it's kind of what it's there yeah, yeah. for. Yeah. And it stands out. So oh, it's going to be really cool when we do the band play. Shows there's going to be loads of people in yellow football shirts walking around, but it's kind of
0: part of the charm, <laughs> yeah. isn't it?
1: And especially as the team have started the season well and um, if they, you know, could potentially when I mean, its early, early doors, but they're fourth and unbeaten with the game in hand, so three points off the top, one, three, drawn, one. If they, the, I mean, obviously the goal is um, promotion this year and they finished 19th last season before when the season fit stopped. Um, so the goals obviously do better than that, but they've recruited pretty well in the summer. Um, start of the season, like their pre-season was insane. They like, just scored loads and was winning for fun. And they continued that into their league form and they had a little FA Cup run. Um, and got to the last stage of the qualifying rounds and it was on uh, BT Sport 1, which is, you know, mm. crazy um, for a, a, such a low-level t- low team. But they got beat by Bishop Stortford 2-0. So they got knocked out. But, um, you know, it seems like as as they've started the season winning and the, the people who have never really paid much attention to them who didn't know them through the and through buying the shirts have seen, oh, the team are actually pretty good as well. They're not just... They're yeah. Not, they don't <laughs> yeah. lose every game. So it's been quite positive that you see people looking out and going, oh, amazing, you've won again, cool, you're doing well in the league. Um so yeah, yeah, hopefully it's going to be a good season for them. They really need to start getting fans back in when that's possible. That's going to really help, um, mm. you know. Um, but at the moment, you know, they, they're performing well, so hopefully that continues and get some promotion push. That would be good at the end of the yeah. year.
0: And I, and I always like to end. kind of do do a little bit of research and sort of, find a a unique fact about each team that we we kind of bring to to the table the one i found about st Albans city was that um they had a a, i can't find the year though which is a bit of a bummer but they had like a a a run another fa cup qualifying run and in this game they scored seven goals but all seven goals were scored by a gentleman called wilfred minter and that oh. record still remains as like the highest tally of goals scored by one player in an FA Cup tie. So that's I thought that good, was pretty cool. That,
1: I like that. Yeah. That's 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 a good record to have that. I scored the most goals in one FA Cup tie that's ever happened. Seven in one game.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah nuts, isn't it? <laughs> I think they still lost as well, but What? <laughs> they lost. I think so, yeah. I couldn't find the, the actual thing, but that's, that's Wik- what this is what Wikipedia is telling me. So I don't know how trusted yeah, that
1: McKenna, is. Which means Tom can play long. All right, here and we fast go. Fast into Mitchell Vice. He's on the run. He's got the ball. Oh, he's bird. still got Oh, it. Still oh, got it. oh referee. Oh. That's got to be a red card, referee. He's got to be a red card. He was the last man standing. Mitchell Vice just hammered his way around, and the sort of last standing defender for Ipswich just grabbed his ankles,
0: didn't he? he? Just took him down as if he was a rugby. Swiped him down. He swiped him down, and if he didn't, Mitchell Vice was. On right, the so as people know, coming my fast becoming my favourite part of the show is our fantasy booking musicians eleven. Um, so as always, we like to kind of start with a with the team name. So Lee, what's what's your team name?
1: Oh, I didn't pick a team name. Um, <laughs> I was so focused on getting a decent 11 that I forgot the name bit. Um, oh, God.
0: We can, we'll can we we come back to it. We'll come back to it. We'll come back to it. I'll think right. of it as Have I go you...
1: through it. Something will, something will yeah.
0: crop up. Um, Have you got a formation?
1: It's four four two, kind of. a flat 442 but maybe a bit diamond d in the middle Um, okay let me just find where i've put it Uh, not there yeah and it's quite it's quite weird i'm glad you said musicians 11 because i really wanted to pick some more punk bands or heavier bands but it's so hard to think who's actually good at football that i can think of and then you American bands, but most of them probably don't play football. It's quite slim pickings. Um, so I've had to branch out. So it is musicians and not. It's quite it's a bit mainstream at points. But I'm sure you'll let me get on. No, that's again. cool. Um,
0: <laughs> right, go on. Who have we got? We always start in goal. So who you got between the six?
1: I'm going with Sneak Dog. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. I was somewhere between Snoop Dogg and Big Nasty for two totally different reasons. Obviously, Big Nasty is just big bloke, but um, yeah, I feel like Snoop Dogg. And I picked Snoop Dogg was one of the first ones to get just because of the amount of football shirts I've seen him wear on stage, being gifted. You know, he's, he's a picture of me in a Burnley shirt going out loud. like he's, So I just thought, he yeah, must yeah. like the game. But he's tall, he's got long arms, long legs. I think he'd be quite nifty if he wasn't too stoned. He'd be quite nifty at you know, <laughs> shot stopping. Um, and I feel like the keeper's the harder position to pick out of everyone. So I went for a slight curveball option, you know. it would be quite quite fun. Um,
0: I know, like, I like that. Yeah. I like that. Right, so who's your back four?
1: Um, right, so... Right back, I've gone for Matt Skiba. Um, Again, I wanted to pick some more punk-based people, but I know he loves um, St Pauli and he wears football shirts on stage quite a lot. And I assumed he looks like the type of guy who would actually play a bit of football or soccer. Um, And I just decided he looks like a right back. Don't know why, but I've gone there. (laughs) Um, And left back... I've gone Justin Hawkins of the Darkness fame. Um, I don't think he played nice. left-back. But I was trying to think where he played when he did like Soccer 6 and stuff and those Soccer Raid things. Um, I feel like we used to work with the Darkness um, a few years ago and I can't, I'm i sure we spoke about it and I can't remember where he plays. But I wanted to include him because he was one of those curveball players that you'd think Justin Hawkins footballer, but he was actually pretty good and did well yeah, in those nice yeah. things and played quite a lot of those games and he can shred. Um, so I put him at the left back, which is probably not where you'd want to play, but the other, the other slots were filling up and it was hard to pick defenders. <laughs> um, Centre-half, because I can't pick myself. Um, I've gone with Sam, Sam Duckworth, get it, work K fly Sam. Um, yeah. I, we, we used to work with Sam as well and I used to play for his... Um, Little six-a-side team we used to do in the Big Scare Monsters t- uh, tournament that was every summer. Oh, yeah. Which yeah, yeah. on Wembley. So I used to play for Sam's team, and um a big Arsenal fan. He loves his football. And I'm sure he plays centre midfield or centre-back, but um, he's a good player. It's fun to play with him. We had limited success, Um but it was always great fun every year. I used to look forward to it every year when we did it. Hmm. Um, yeah, so I've gone to pick Sam there. But then he's partnered with Louis Tomlinson of One Direction fame um, because I know <laughs> he's a real good footballer. Yeah. Uh, Dar- Darlington, isn't it? Um, and again, I don't think he's a centre-half, but I can imagine him doing a, putting a shift in there. Um, and I'm a, I do like One Direction, so fuck it. Like, no, that's, a savvy that's fair enough. It, you know, he's, he's got all that money and he spent money in looking after Darlington. Um, didn't he sign for the club, but then One Direction fans like just bought God knows how many shirts with his name on it because like signed And Did he play like one yeah. game like friendly or something? And, um,
0: I, I think it wasn't even that. I think he made like a substitute appearance and that was it.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, I've got a lot of time for that. It's um, something I think I'd like to do if I end up with millions and millions and being in one of most successful boy <laughs> bands of all time. Yeah. Um so I felt you know there is a punk rock element to his behaviour there, so I'll let him in. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: so my my midfield right. my midfield, midfield. my defensive central midfielder is Chris Batten from Enchari. Um he's the only guy who really plays football in the band. And I had to pick one of my own um, band members. Um again yeah. I had to text him literally ten minutes before going, I can't remember what position you are playing he's like, Oh, normally that's central midfield I'll put you in a holding role then. Um <laughs> you know. That's um, yeah. I'm sure you will appreciate being in this side. Attacking central midfield, I've gone for Alex Costello from Rome. Um, I used, oh, nice. I used to manage Rome, and Costello is an absolutely brilliant footballer. And when we did a soccer six tournament in like 2014, we won it. Um, my oh, my trophy's there. I could get it. It's right there. Um, <laughs> I I was an absolute beast that day. I'm not going to lie. It was probably the best performance in my twenties. But Costello is a short lad but he's really tricky, low centre of gravity and he was just nipping around scoring, scored no red kick in six sides um, and he was yeah one of our star players so um, whenever he used to go on tour he'd always take a ball out with him, he was always doing like trick shots everywhere and filming it and um, I think he had a viral video once of him and his mates were doing like trick shots and it was on like Soccer aim and things before he was in the band. Oh okay. But he's really good footballer um, and he's perfect to sit behind that uh, front two. Um,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: Left mid, Ollie mers I had to look at some Soccer 6 lineups. <laughs> but um, he captains the Soccer 6 stuff for England, doesn't he? And he's played it most, most yeah. of the last decade. And he's a good footballer. I'm sure he used to have trials somewhere like most people did. He's pretty good and he's always done really well. And um, I feel like I remember him drifting off the left, so I've given him that role. Um, yeah. Probably the least punk rock of all of the people I've included in this, but, you know, he's a good player, so playing for strength here and not over credibility. Then, um, right <laughs> right mid surge from Kasabian, because um, he's just a great player, and um, I remember watching him on Soccer AM scoring some mad volleys in the car park and one of, yeah, one, of, yeah. one of his goals for in soccer aid when he chipped semen um it's just he's a good footballer and uh, i like what they do with all the stuff with leicester do the ground like the big leicester fans they do the games at the ground um they, i'm sure they've done a collaborative shirts and things and mm. i've got, got a lot of time for that um uh, my center forward partnership is mr rob lynch Tall man, nice, good feet. He plays with Sam in Sam's team up front, got some crucial goals. Um, he's a good striker, got a good finish on him. Um, yeah, and he's a mate, uh, he's a good mate. So I was like, yeah. you know what, put you in there, perform for me. You know, you'll get that number nine shit. if You don't perform, I'll <laughs> you off. Um, and I partnered him with um Dermot Kennedy because I watched the recent soccer raid and I thought it was really good. Um, and it was between him and James Bay but James Bay's on, on the bench and you can come on for Rob if he's not performing um, <laughs> but yeah D- Dermot Kennedy up front um, and yeah and I think his, I like his record this year I think it's quite good it's yeah like Anthony in parts and he's a good artist um, the other players I was trying no, to that's, yeah, that's cool I was trying to squeeze in James I think Bay, uh... Tom Grennan James Arthur they're all decent players, as I'm aware. But then, yeah, felt like too many of those pop guitar men and not anyone in proper bands. Yeah, um,
0: yeah, yeah. I was yeah, str- yeah. struggling
1: to pick them. And I was trying to think who i played against in these Soccer 6 tournaments in previous years who so was actually good, and I can't remember who won them. I feel like Barry tomorrow yeah. maybe won one once or something. Or... Oh, I can't remember. Um, <laughs> yeah. There's my, no, there's
0: it's, my still, it's still a... It's still a strong eleven, I like it. Um have you have you got a manager or are you managing I'm the manager. Oh come on. <laughs> Not letting anyone else
1: manage that side. It's me. I'm in control.
0: Fair enough. Perfect. Brilliant. Well, Lee, thank you very much for for taking the time out of your day having a little chat with me. And thank you for persevering with technical difficulties we got there in the end. <laughs>
1: It's all good. We got through it. Um I saw the, the team name, do not I? My Bicycle Kick Romance. Let's call it that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Brilliant. Perfect. Lee, thank you very much for your time, mate. No I'll talk to you thank soon. you, Tim.
1: Speak in a Cheers.
0: bit. Cheers. Take care. Bye. Bye.